Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to a different creative professional every week, and this week I was so delighted. I just finished talking to Elliot Lawrence. He's the screenwriter of the movie Welcome to Me, starring Kristen Wiig. And uh, he's also a mutual friend. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Jackie Clark, who I'd met Elliot through, and Jackie was actually... Uh, the very first podcast guest on Dennis Anyone. So it was a kind of a full circle moment. We had a great conversation. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to uh, thank Jonas Perkins for donating to the the Dennis Anyone tip jar. It helps me keep the podcast free. Um, and just every little bit helps cover hosting and parking and this, that, and the other. And um, you can do that at DennisAnyone.net. You can also see pictures that sometimes go with the podcast, fun things like that. So um, I would love it if you write a review on iTunes that you like the podcast. That really helps us find more people, like it on Facebook, and just tell your friends. Um, For example, with Elliot, if you're a writer, uh, this would be a great podcast to share with other writer friends because he had a wonderful experience with Welcome to Me, and you're going to hear all about it right now with Elliot Lawrence. Hey there, I'm coming to you from my place, the Booth of Truth, or the Nook of something. I don't know, the Nook of... The Nook of Nookie. The, the Nook of Nookie, that could work. I like that. All right, with my guest this week, Elliot Lawrence. He is the screenwriter of the new movie Welcome to Me, starring Kristen Wiig, and a lot of other amazing, cool people that we'll talk about. Um, welcome to the Nook of Nookie Booth of Truth, Ellie Thank Lawrence. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for asking me. This is really I nice. love that. Well, we have a mutual friend, yes. Jackie Clark, oh, who's yeah. delightful, who we both oh. met. You met working on the Big Gay Sketch Show. Way before that, actually. Oh, okay, cool. I was kind of a, a UCB New York guy with uh, my then partner, Stephanie. Right. We had a two-person show. She passed away in 06. But um, back in the day, we would perform a bunch and see Jackie around town and, and, and love her. And then I, I remember the night that I kind of fell in love with Jackie Clark. We were at a place called Ars Nova, which is a great theater. Yeah, I hear it's a cool place where they do, like, cool shows. Very cool shows, and it's very, like, real. Like, there's a green room where, like, we thought we had made it. Right. Much. When you're not dressing by a cigarette machine or whatever. Exactly. I got it. I've been there. Or doing a show with a gigantic black pole right in front of the stage. Right. UCB New York, which I love. But Okay. So that was the celebration theater here in L.A. There was always this pole that always had to be incorporated into every play. <laughs> right. Working into the story. Right. So my, my friend Stephanie and I were watching kind of in the wings as Jackie was finishing up, and she was doing this bit where she was a child talent agent. Okay. And she was talking about how she used to rep JonBenet Ramsey. <laughs> oh, no. And if you that went well. Yeah. And if you think JonBenet was cute, wait till you see her 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 brother, Kevin <laughs> Benet Ramsey. So I'm like, I just love this person kind of for life, just from that one joke. So yeah, God bless Jackie Clark. Yeah, she was my first ever podcast guest when I started Dennis Anyone. Oh my god! Yeah, so there's a full amazing. circle moment. Welcome to me. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank what you is, so much. What has it been like? It's been kind of a whirlwind, right? It's been a whirlwind. It's been really crazy. I'm, I'm pretty much of an introvert. I don't perform as much anymore, even though a lot of performers, I think, are introverts, secretly. But yeah. uh, I'm kind of such a, like, writing in my pajamas kind of guy that it's it's been an experience just being out and... You know, doing stuff like this and going to premieres on both coasts. I was Googling you, and there are all these red carpet photos of you with, with all the gals in their cute dresses. And you know, they fussed over their dresses, and who am I yeah. going to wear? And they're yeah. all there. And it was, like, multiple. It was, like, a, a lot. lot. A lot. It was really fun. We, we um, 
the New York premiere was really amazing, and then we came back the next day and did the L.A. premiere at LACMA, which was just incredible. So nice. And, yeah, it's been... It's are they, really, are they like, Mr. Lawrence, one more. Mr. Lawrence, over here. A little bit. Yeah. And there were these, these like... Give us a smile. These kind of funny Asian ladies who re- literally were asking me for my autograph, which made no sense at all to me. But I guess there are people who, like, see what is happening in town and then go and have you sign stuff, even if you're a writer. It was really crazy. That was really cool. Now, how did that... What was the first germ of that idea, that story? Yeah, I, I wish I could remember. I mean... I know, well, here, Jackie, again, I was at uh, Jackie and Sam's engagement party. Maybe you were there? I might have been there. You might have been I there. I feel like when I thought, we've well, met once or twice. Yes. Yeah. Jackie and I, feel, and I know it was at their place. Yeah. They have wonderful parties, and I feel like we have met at yeah. parties. But um, I was there, I think I was having a cigarette on the, on the balcony, and I thought about a a depressed person winning the lottery, and yeah. I, I, I just immediately loved that, and... Then I was like, what does she do with her money? She buys a show, and this is going to sound really woo-woo crazy, but I saw a golden bumblebee, like pure gold, not black, just all gold. Right. And it kind of flew in my face, and I felt like it was a good omen. Like that idea that you had right now means something. It it did. Yeah, it really felt that way. I'm kind of woo-woo witchy that way, though. I'm all about woo-woo witchy. Really? The the older I get, the more I'm about it. Somebody's like, hey, you should do this dream board. You want to say this manifestation? I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I know. At a certain point, you're just like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll try this. What You know, what the hell? Yeah. It felt like a moment, like seeing that be, and then... Um, originally I conceived it as a sort of a dark HBO half hour. Right. And I wrote it that way. And, um... Never mind. Okay, we're moving through. Um, and, uh, I wrote it that way and kind of got some notes from some friends and, um, one of them was Shira Piven who ended up directing it. Who is Jeremy Piven's sister. Sister. Yeah. She and Jeremy are kind of Chicago theater royalty. Like, their parents ran an acting school and a theater. And and I had studied with Shira Improv in New York City in, like, the kind of mid to late 90s. I've known Shira for a really long time. Um, We... She used to teach classes in these, like, bombed-out spaces in the, on the Lower East Side. There was one where there was, like, a piano coming through the ceiling, <laughs> kind of half-hanging. Right. Anyway, she was an amazing teacher and has just always been somebody who's been super supportive and encouraging of my voice and really encouraged me to be a writer. I, I really didn't want to be a writer for till kind of I was. It was very right. weird. I wanted to be an actor, and so she was my kind of improv acting teacher. And uh, anyway... We, she moved out here with her husband, Adam, and I moved out here. And I, so I sent it to her for feedback, and she really, really loved it. She had just directed her first feature. Which was what? It's called Fully Loaded. Okay. And it's two moms driving around L.A. It's kind of my dinner with Andre in a car. Okay. That sounds really fun. great. Really, yeah. really, really great. And I knew she was brilliant, and I didn't have a ton going on, so there was no question in my mind that I would... Do what she said. You know? What did she say to do? She said, rewrite this as a feature, and I will make it happen. And so I was just like, okay. There you go. So it took a while, of course, and, and um, there were a lot of drafts. And then Shira was really smart. She got a lot of people interested in it before she kind of handed it across the bed to her husband, Adam McKay, who's a huge director. Of course. And a great, great man and very kind and generous. and. He's partners with Will Ferrell yeah, and their company. Yeah, Gary Sanchez. They produced the movie. And, um, 
you know, by the time she handed it to Adam, there were enough people who really thought it was special, and there was Adam, enough momentum going exactly that, yeah, that he really didn't have to sort of drive the momentum. Yeah, yeah. So he got in. He got you know supportive of it, and then and then Kristen happened, and I swear, Kristen Wig, it was just. I mean, that was the dearest dream in all of our hearts from the very beginning, but. I didn't. I didn't really dare to dream. I. I, I didn't think it would be possible. But Did you really think was. about her a little bit when you were writing it? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. Absolutely. She was always in my head. And um, <clears throat> they, Shira and Adam, used to live next door to Kristen's manager. Right. And so it was a very kind of organic, past the script kind yeah. of thing. And then we waited a while for Kristen to to read it because, of course, she's so busy. And right. She said yes. And then everybody jumped on because everybody wants to be in a Kristen Wiig movie. She's yeah, so beloved among so many different kinds, and of people. so well respected. Yeah, um, the synopsis is about a woman who wins the lottery. Yes. She's uh, she has borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Um, and she wins the lottery, and she lives kind of an odd. Well, not kind of. She lives an odd life in Palm Desert, California. She she's on long term mental health disability she used to be a veterinary nurse until an episode happened at work right. so so she's been on on unemployment for a number of years and her day consists of watching oprah's old oprah's new oprah's whatever she has on tape and buying lottery tickets that's and eating pudding that's kind of her day right and some sleeping and so one day just an ordinary day she she gets the winning ticket and she spends the money you know, much like her hero, Oprah, on a talk show. But her her idea for the talk show is just that she talks about herself right. all the time and also hires actors to reenact painful moments of her life right? and invites people to call in and comment. And it's just sort of like a, a very heightened psychodrama. Right. And then, you know, she alienates some people that she cares about and learns a tiny bit about life. And that's the movie. There you go. Well, it's super fun. It, it's it's sad. It is sad. I, I, people, I felt... Were you... Did, when you watched it, because you sent me the nicest email about it, um, were you surprised when the sad stuff started to roll in? Did you know it was coming? Was it off No, I wasn't surprised, because she seemed sad from the yeah. beginning. Like... Like, there's a lot of funny, absurd stuff that happens, and you might look at it and think, oh, this is a satire about um, media and narcissism and what like that. But it's more about this woman who's ill. I love that you say that. Because it's it, not really a satire of that world. It has, it, it has moments of, of it, but, at its, but and, that wasn't what I left with. And it also is not a movie about mental illness. It's not like a scholarly work about no. what that is. It's really about a person... And that feels like that's what you came away with. Too. Yeah, and really I, nice. but I felt for her, and I felt like she did grow a little yeah. bit, but she's not out of the woods. No. no. <laughs> she's she, in the woods. She goes back, and she, you know, at the end of the movie, she really goes back to her old life, except she has a camera. Yeah. Her, her kind of on-and-off-again boyfriend gives her a video camera, which she immediately starts taping herself in her apartment in that last scene. And I feel like that's kind of a hopeful moment. Like maybe she's going to become some weird outsider video artist or something super famous or not, but she just right. has something to do now. Right. She's not, in she the same wants to be, she, she wants to be on camera. Yeah. Now she has the ability to do that for herself. Um, how cute is James Marsden? Oh my God. And Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley. Oh my God. That beard. Oh my God. Were you yeah. on the set? I was on set the whole time because Shira and I are close. I feel like, I've been completely spoiled by this movie because I, I don't feel like writers are often 
invited it to. Seemed, from the outside, it seemed like a Cinderella story. Even, yes! when, even when Jackie would tell me about it. She's like, my friend Elliot, he's da-da-da-da-da-da. Absolutely. And that, from the inside, was it? It really was. It was so thrilling to see these actors work. I mean, I kind of had this, like, moment where I'm like, oh, that's why these people are famous. Like, I remember Wes Bentley's first day. I don't know if you remember the scene there in the roller rink. And he's yeah. eating a cheeseburger in the most soulful way. Yeah. And talking about the swing over his bed and how he's a sex addict and he's been divorced a lot. And that was his first day. Like, so just for someone to literally walk in on their first day, first take, and just have something that works. Was Which, just... was that Moonlight Rollaway in the Valley, or was that somewhere around so. the yeah, desert? Yeah, yeah. It was here. Yeah, it was here, because yeah. we shot a bunch of the movie in Van Nuys. Okay. So. But I love the Palm Desert was the location, because I like it out there, but it's also kind sad. of... Sad. Weird. Sad and Wonderful. weird, but I love that there's this production company out there, and I love that they took the job because they were desperate yeah, they to keep the doors money. open. They that really made sense did. to me. They really did. I did some research, um, Guthy Ranker. Do you remember Guthy Ranker? They no. Were the, they were an infomercial house that did, like, those Suzanne Summers. Sure. Five master things. She's a desert gal. She's a desert gal. She likes. She's a friend of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Guthy Renker was based in Palm Desert, and then I was kind of just like, yeah, that that's sense. where it is. And I, I'm obsessed with this little mountain town called Idlewild. Have you been there? No, but I want to go there oh, and rent so a cabin. Fun. It's so fun. We should have a writing retreat. I, let's do it. It's okay. done. Okay. Get Jackie Done. Clark in there and done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, like, to get to Idlewild, you have to kind of go through Palm Desert and right. Banning. And, and I thought there was something kind of enigmatic about that place for some reason. So Nice. So when you, what was your first meeting like with Kristen Wiig? It was over the phone, and she was lovely, and she had some questions about tone. That's the trickiest part of the movie. It really is. And she's really daring. I mean, obviously, you've seen the movie. You know she's super daring because of that casino scene. But like, I wanted to ask thing. about the casino scene. The she whole... does nudity. She does nudity. She's naked in a casino. And then, and then the first shot, you think, oh, they're only going to go to a point. And then there's the other shot. Uh-huh. And I really love Kristen Wiig because she could have gone a totally other direction after Bridesmaids. And she didn't half measure it. She, she... was like... I'm going to be an artist. She's an artist with a capital A. She, you know, she, I'm sure, has had every offer to do every kind of, yeah. of bridesmaids, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And she does do big studio movies, but she also does really cool stuff that yeah. really kind of challenges her and scares her. And she probably frustrates a lot of people. Probably her reps so. sometimes. Yeah. I don't know what her reps are like, but you know what I mean. Like, the you know the the people that want to get her for something and I've actually gotten to know her reps a teeny bit and they are just so into her artistry what she's doing that that's I don't awesome feel like they put a ton of pressure on her but I don't know for sure but they right. seem like they're just signed up for the Kristen of it all that's awesome yeah. That's so cool. And then you've got, like, Jennifer Jason Lee and John oh Cusack. I met Jennifer at the table, the first table read, and that was just a moment for me. I mean, I've admired this person my whole life, right? Like, Yes, and she's aging well. She's aging really well. She's brilliant. She's super kind. She said really nice stuff about the script when we met. It was just, it was Cinderella the whole time, pretty much. One of the most surprising things about the movie to me is that you got all the Oprah stuff. Yeah. You got clips from Oprah. We you did. got all this Oprah stuff, magazines. Which, 
How Thank did God. that work? Thank yeah, God we if you did. didn't do that, you didn't have a movie. We didn't have a movie. We were talking about creating like a fictional Oprah, and that just sounded so campy and weird. And it's she's such a singular thing person. Yes. She's not a thing. She's a person. It's like you got Jesus. To we say got Jesus it. and Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. And. Um, so thank God we did, because that would have been super weird to have How did that work? In. Well, it, we wrote a very careful letter letting her know that we were not intending to make fun of her at all. There was nothing ironic about Alice, Kristen's character's love of Oprah. Um, we, we, we let her know what the movie was about, what the big themes were, very careful and respectful. And... Um, Kind of through Hollywood ways, like I think one of the agents who uh, reps, maybe Adam or Gary Sanchez, sort of has a, had a connection to Oprah and got the letter to her and she said yes. So it's just pretty incredible to have Oprah footage. Oprah footage? A, a fair amount of Oprah footage. A fair footage. amount that Kristen's character Alice has seen those clips so many times that she knows them by heart and speaks along with them. That was like one of my favorite parts of the movie. When you were deciding which clips to do, how did you... Approach all that Oprah material. We we they were super helpful. Harpo was very helpful. We, She's like, you might want to look at episode one hundred and four. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> she really, kind of, she really kind of brings it. It was kind of like that. We we I think we knew that we wanted some of the clips to be about the importance of friendship. Yeah, um, and so they sent us a bunch of clips, and it was that kind of. I bet thing. they have a really well organized, uh, color coded uh, yeah. database. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So we we got the stuff we needed, and again, thank God. And you watched a fair amount of it. We did, yeah. We really did. Yeah. Did you do a lot of research into bipolar disorder and that kind of thing? Oh, and borderline? Um, it, it was funny because I kind of had Alice before I had her diagnosis. So, like, right. I knew as I was writing what she did. I knew that she had, you know, some some boundary stuff and some impulse control stuff and some self-isolation and some kind of extreme sexuality stuff. And so I, I had that stuff. So I almost had to figure out what Alice had. Right. So then I did some research and borderline kind of seemed like that would be her diagnosis. But, you know, mental health is, is sort of like hitting a moving target. I think people have different diagnoses at different times of their life. And I've definitely struggled with depression a bunch. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to hit the bullseye, but that seemed like the closest thing. Borderline. Right. What is? I the love the name though. Borderline personality disorder. There's something. Kind well, of it's the Madonna song. Yeah. First of all. Yeah. And a good one of my favorites. The moment I fell in love with Madonna. So <laughs> it's always got that association. What had the reactions been? Because you see Kristen Wiig, and the, the, you hear the premise and the kind mm-hmm. of you know, and it's it's not wacky. It's not a there, wacky... There's wacky moments. There, yeah, and then there are moments that are wacky that you're like, am I supposed to laugh at that? Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things in life is when you're not sure if you're supposed to laugh. Well, you also, do. when you laugh and you're like the only one in your row, <laughs> and then the next laugh, somebody it's somebody else. Which is always me. I'm always laughing. Nobody <laughs> else is laughing. But yeah. I, like, I like when she goes... It was early on in the movie, and you can help me with the line. It's like, well, what do you want to do? And she goes, well, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to talk about who I think are cunts. Yeah. And I want to do... <laughs> yeah. It's, I was want it? to do recipes. I want to do reenactments, talk about who I think is a cunt, just sort of slipped in there. <laughs> and, and poor Wes Bentley's like, oh, man. What 
what have we gotten into here? But I love that you make it that they have to do it. They're they going to go under. And she's a blank. Che- she's got an open checkbook. Yeah, and she's real free with that binder of checks. <laughs> she, she really that out at the drop of a hat. She will whip out her briefcase and say under her breath. This is my business stuff. I mean, yeah. She, that's the other thing about Kristen is that she's such obviously a brilliant improviser. There's so much magic that. Can you think was of a moment that she? Yeah, did? I can. It's kind of one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Remember when they're having dinner with her family at the casino? Yeah, early on to the casino, and she has one of her prepared statements. She's really big on reading these prepared. Yeah, statements. she goes, "I prepared a statement." Yeah. And it kind of, she says her thing, and then people are sort of toasting to her new life, new life, and then her mom, you can hear her mom going, let's hope. And it's just this moment of pathos, and it's kind of sad and kind of weird, and Shira really bravely kind of stayed on her for that moment. On the mother or on Kristen? On Kristen, completely nonverbal. And just at the end of this kind of long, tense, sort of sad moment, she goes, I'm going to get shrimp. And it's just, it's so hopeful and weird and specific. I, I just, you know what? I remember that moment. And what it says to me is she's rich now. Yeah, she's going to get shrimp. Yeah. Because if you want shrimp in the desert, you got to have money. Yeah. She's going to get shrimp. And <laughs> shrimp is great. She couldn't get shrimp before. No. Yeah. What's been the most surprising reaction? Have people come up to you and said something? Or has there been anything really positive or negative? As or? much as I believe in the movie and love it so deeply, some of the reviews have been just so nice. Like, we got a really great... New York Times review and a, nice. and a great LA Times review. How? What was your strategy about reviews before they started happening? I'm going to read them. I'm not going to read them. I'm going to let somebody filter them. I yeah. want to read everything. I started. I didn't really have a strategy at the beginning, and right. so I read some some bad ones. And I, you know, was having a vulnerable day or whatever, and they totally bummed me out. So of course, I'm just going to read the good ones from now on. And right. thank God they started coming in. Like when when that New York Times one rolled in. Which writer wrote it? A.O. Scott. Okay. And uh, it was everybody's shoulders dropped like an inch. Everybody just exhaled because they've been waiting to exhale for so long. Um, yeah. Just made everybody feel really good. So that's been a surprise. And not because I didn't think it was a good movie, but just that level of praise is always through. Right. The New York Times. New York Times. It's the New York Times. Yeah. Yeah, they can they can kind of make or break you. Um, we talked about James Marsden. He's so cute. James, let, yeah, yeah, I know you want to do, get, get back to James. I, well, I have a you question. Want to hear something funny. Post it. Yeah, here's something funny. We actually tried to make him as unattractive as we possibly could. Good luck with that. Not easy. We gave him a weird haircut. <laughs> I think maybe the costume designer gave him a little bit of a gut. Yeah. Padding or something, but he's still you gorgeous. Can't, you yeah, can't. you can't. You really can't. <laughs> Cover him in, like, doo-doo. <laughs> it's so funny that I come in here and, and talk, uh, we immediately want to talk about how cute he is. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, we try, We did our best to, to undermine that question of yours, and we fit, you can't. You can't. We gave him a weird tan. I mean, it was impossible. He you was couldn't do it. Really attractive. Linda Cardellini. Oh, so so good and so soulful and. She real. had to be because she's the heart, and and Kristen's so brittle. Her character is so you know going through what she's going through, yeah, and, and very self involved. Yeah, and to see that how that plays on somebody like yeah. Linda was so such a thrill. She's so great and also so nice. And now it must have been a blast to shoot the scenes where Kristen is doing the talk show, and she's mm-hmm. like, "I want to come out in a swan." Yeah, so they she comes out in a swan. They get her a swan boat. Because where is it? Where did it end up? 
I don't know. That's a really good question because that was a nice boat. I'd like I know. to have that in my well, apartment. Yes. Maybe sleep in it. Yes. Night. Make it like a little, uh, we could do the podcast in the Swan Boat. Yeah. Part two. Part, Part two. two. Um, did you keep anything from the movie as souvenir? Um, I kept some like crew call sheets because I, I don't know. They yeah. Seemed like scrapbook worthy. Of course. Um, just little things, little things. Yeah. Mostly just the memories. It was so fun. Was there a, what was the weirdest day where like something went wrong? Like well, the first day I, I directed a short film, first time directing ever, we almost got kicked out of the location because one of the producers had a disagreement with the person that owned the restaurant over the food and it was like we're we're getting kicked out like so oh were there any God. days like where like you something happened or i'm trying to think if anything really went off the rails there was one scene uh, when it was the finale that crazy thing where she, yeah, she, she does, does the, one last she was one telethon, one big show. her yeah. telethon for change yeah <laughs> and um that was a bear to shoot that was really rough um, because there was just a lot of moving parts and we were there really, really late at night. And we were definitely getting to that point where we were just laughing hysterically and crying at the same time and and stuff like that because we were so exhausted. But nothing, there were no huge kind of bumps. Did you ever cry watching it? For sure. Absolutely. Like, and kind of during, too. It's just, you know, again, Cinderella, it's just like so crazy to have this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And what comes after it? Do you, is it the kind of thing, is it a game changer? Yeah. It, I think, I mean, who knows? Again, I feel like I've been totally spoiled by this experience, but hopefully... Have you gotten other opportunities? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I, I've sold a couple things. I have reps now. Everybody's sort of got That's on board. That's so great. Yeah, it really was a, it, it was absolutely a life changer. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Um, and for it to be such a weird script... Yeah. And and have people interested is really nice. Right. It's not it's not like a it's not a safe ABC. script. It's not safe. It's it's strange and has a weird tone and and yet I feel I've I feel pretty embraced by people. It's nice. What's it like to go to meetings now? It's fun. It's really fun. I, I don't know. You go on a ton of them and they kind of just become kind of fun. It's amazing. There are a lot of really nice people in this town. And I think that doesn't get as much play as it should. Now, I read an article about you on the Writers Guild site, I think. Okay. And you had a day job right up yeah. until the... Uh, during. The, during. I mean, yeah. I, it actually just ended uh, November of last year. And you yeah. said you were kind of sad to have yeah. it Yeah, and I immediately was like, does that make me sound like the fucking saddest person no, in the world? No, I get it. Really? I totally get it. I, would, I was like, I would, I would go pick up that job now if you had left it. Oh because my God. I, I still miss structure it. And, I still miss it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, there. I get it. I oh, totally I'm, get it. I'm glad, because I felt like that was like it, so I mean, opposite it to it, the story of... Ah, fuck you, I'm out of here, I made it. it well, was, it depends on what the job is. If right. it's a nightmare job. And, and it really wasn't. Yeah. And it was a job that I had done in New York for years, so it was very, like, comfortable and low impact and pain-free and decent money. And right. I don't know, I really, you know, I think I was talking in that article about how I would sort of get up at 5 a.m. And, and write for two hours before I had to go into work and then come home and right for like two more hours, yeah. you know, and there was something about that sort of like struggle. Yeah. That underdoggy sort of fuck everybody. I'm, right. 
that I really got off on. And when that went away, I kind of missed it. I mean, sir, don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed every bit of this success. But I like, totally get you it. get it, right? Sometimes when you're trying to make stuff happen and you're pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and meeting and whatever mm-hmm. and developing... You just want to go somewhere, do a thing, and get a check. And get a check. And have you it not just, be based on, like, your heart and soul for a minute. Yeah, or how you, or who you knew, or how you were, yeah. or what they're... Or what level of heat you have uh, this week, Sometimes you just want something, da-da-da-da. Yeah. And you want to work in a world that is not driven by fear all the time. Which, yeah. So, I get it. What well, was the job? I, I was a videotape librarian for Ooh, TV Network. First of all, what's a videotape? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of... Because when, when I finally left, they, they yeah. let me go, but in yeah. a very sweet way. They were just like, you know, the technology is changing. Oh, Videotapes and stuff <laughs> is kind of from the 80s and the 90s. So, they were <laughs> very... say hello to your friend Dennis, who used to work in something called magazines. <laughs> yeah. And um, exactly. you guys can go to that empty blockbuster and yeah. uh, open up uh, whatever it is. You nailed it. It was, you know, the technology is changing, so the job was kind of going away um, slowly but surely, and it just didn't make sense for me to be there anymore. Would you watch the old videotapes? Oh, yeah, back in what the day. What was, like, some of the treasure trovey things I, you had? It, when I was in New York, sometimes I would watch soap opera auditions. Oh, shit. So fun. So Did fun Big stars that you would see, or just... No. Oh, just people trying to get their first job, yes. mostly. It was really fun. Honks. Honk Honks. after honk after honk. Look those good-looking New York theater boys would come in there and try to be on the show. <laughs> so I would watch those. Um, like on your lunch break. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to see how Colin Gregory handles the role of... I like that name. Logan yeah. Spaulding Third on The change, Guiding Light. I'm going to change my name to Colin Gregory. Now. It's not a bad name. It's I might really put good. that in something. It's really good. So you'd watch old soaps. That's fun. Yeah, so and it, it you was, would have actual auditions, not just the whatever went over broadcast. Yeah. The actual... The people who didn't get the yeah. parts and stuff. Um, so it was really fun and the people were always really nice, especially out here in the LA branch and, um, what was the company? ABC. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, Nice. And they treated me very well. I remember once, I think I I had applied to, um, the Disney writing fellowship university thing Yeah, and I didn't get it. And then I kind of realized... Oh, you're already on the Disney Writers Fellowship Diversity Plan. It's called your job. Yeah. That allows you to, you know, work three or four days a week and be an artist the rest of the time. So That's cool. Yeah. I totally, totally, totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad because I, I worried that it made me sound kind of kind of sad. No, it didn't. It, people get it. I think okay, people good, get it. Good. Um, now, you also talked in that article I read about, about when your friend that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Stephanie, passed away when you guys were starting work on the Big Gay Sketch Show. Yeah. We, um, that must have been so, nice. so surreal. So surreal. So devastating on a personal basis and professional. Um, I don't know. It was just... How far into the job... We were five weeks in... into our first job. Yeah. And, as right. and had been trying to get jobs for probably three or four years and, and performing before that but really trying to sort of hustle and get jobs. We, I think we even had tentative agents at that point. Tentative. Uh, tentative yeah. The hip pocket <laughs> scenario. Shit. Um, and oh, yeah, we finally God. got our first job and, uh, she died of a heart attack. She was 38. It just later people found out. Just like at home or no, she was, well, she died in the hospital, but she was fainting 
and people were having a hard time figuring out what it was. And then, at the office, or at she? Well, she was fainting, and then you know she went to the hospital, and people were looking into what was wrong, and eventually, kind of after the fact, found out that it was a congenital thing that could have happened at any time. But it was is it a hereditary thing? Possibly. Yeah. Um, it was devastating. I. Back then, I think I mentioned that, like, I was kind of wanting to be a writer, but really wanting to be an actor. And so, after that, I just the the period from like oh seven to I don't know two thousand twelve or thirteen, I was really just like writing a bunch and trying to find my voice and figure out what I wanted to do. Picking up the pieces, picking up the pieces of a broken life. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it was intense. Did you have to go back to work on the show? After? I did another season, mostly to prove that I could. Did you finish that season? Yeah, I finished that season, and then I think there was one more season that I did not do. But that was the one I did. Oh yeah, yeah, season three. I did season. So three. you know Scott King? I know Scott King. Oh my god, he's so great. He gave me my first job. He made me laugh so hard every day. He's brutally funny. God, he made me laugh. I forgot that you did that. That's so I did. Awesome. Was yeah. that a fun season? It was. It was. Billy Eichner? Yes. Billy Eichner and I shared an office. Oh, my God. Now I don't know what he's doing. I, I, think, I totally he's think he fell off the Starbucks, map. I think. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Billy Eichner and I was. I shared an office. And nice. I so loved, did you go to New York? I did. Wow. How was that? I... I was so grateful to have it because yeah. the job that I had had before it just ended. Mm-hmm. And I loved, after being a freelancer for so long, I loved being part of a team. I remember going from our offices, which were on like 53rd, 6th, 6th or 7th yeah. or something. And walking to Times Square to do our first table read. And we were like this little army walking through Times Square. Yeah. And we were going to go up to the castle. And yeah. I loved that feeling. Um, and I loved seeing... You know, I wrote a sketch. I pitched a sketch. It was Ann Coulter for Cover Girl. <laughs> and uh, she literally turns into a horse. And it's all that <laughs> awful stuff. And it was Kate McKinnon. Oh. And um, the next thing you know, we're on a farm. And there's a horse. Mm-hmm. And there's Kate McKinnon in yeah. a wig. You write it and people make it happen. But on a, a horse. Yeah. And a field. It oh, wasn't yeah. like on the set. I mean, we yeah. shot a lot of stuff um, on the set and the location. And that sketch particularly kind of evolved. And, you know, I, I, well, it's not my, like, I nailed that writing or whatever. Right. But it was a concept that we all liked. And it ended up. And we were all there. And it was thrilling. Yeah. Um, and Kate McKinnon. Come on. She's so good. But you know what? Every actor that was on that show, I've yeah. come to realize... Oh, yeah. No ...were doubt. fantastic. And a lot of the writers, And diverse. And, 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 and talented in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, like Coleman is now... Coleman Domingo is like Broadway... Mm-hmm. And a bunch of movies. Yes. I think The Butler or Selma, maybe. On the writing <laughs> side, I think Becky Drysdale is running Key and Peele. Really? I might be wrong. I didn't know her. But... Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of the writers have gone on. Julie Klausner and yes. Billy Eichner are doing yeah. thing, and Craig Chester's doing all kinds of amazing stuff. And yeah, yeah. It was a good. It, it, was, it was kind of badass to be a part of that show in a way. With well, the you were on A in the title, and you know, you were early with, yeah. when Rosie was more in the mix. Rosie yeah. O'Donnell was exec producer. I never saw her. I think she came in one day and did a cameo. Yeah. Um, she was busy. She wasn't around too much when, when I was there, but, um, I don't know. It was kind of, uh, it was definitely thrilling to have the, the first job separate from, from Stephanie passing. It was kind of an amazing experience. And everyone just went back to work after that. That must have been so strange. Really crazy. It was really like the show must go on. It was wild. And, and we're 
you just you know I was function I was weirdly functional it it the weirdest part is that it took me a year to really land when on it me. hit it and so when I was back in New York for for the second season that's when I just really kind of fell apart and got yeah. super sad and sort of antisocial and weird and that was hard yeah was there a hard. sketch that you guys created together that made it yeah we well Stephanie Stephanie really spearheaded yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, the uh, Elaine Stritch as Walmart. Yeah. We wrote it together, but it was really her baby. And yeah. um, that was kind of a legendary And sketch. that was Julie Goldman, right? Or who that, did, no, no, that was Nicole, Nicole Payne. Yes. And then I think, uh, who I love. I'm pretty sure um, Stritch came on the show. Yeah, Stritch came on the yeah. show later. Yeah, so that was cool. Steph and I did a sketch in the beginning that was called Logo Life Tips, and it was these two guys, um, Johnny McGovern and... Yeah. Who else? Paulo Dem- uh, Steven Guarino? Yes, Guarino. Okay. As these two gay lifestyle hosts, and they would teach you stuff like how to make ice. Yeah. Like really dumb stuff. Really <laughs> dumb stuff. And that was very much our, our weird aesthetic. What else? But they, but it must have been great that they got yeah. on the air and they, you know... They, A total thrill. I mean, yeah. you know how it is to see it executed is so cool. Yeah, because you write a ton of stuff, and only you know only certain shows make it to the air, and yeah. it's that's cool though. Yeah, I, I did love that job, and I felt like our our season didn't even come out on DVD. It's like really, yeah, that <laughs> but it was good. We yeah. had good stuff. It was funny. I'm sure it was. What was your proudest moment as a writer on that show? Um, I'll tell you mine. Okay. <laughs> That was, that was my subtle way of telling you. Oh, you, this was all yeah, this was my ruse okay, to talk about this one sketch. Spotlight on you. <laughs> Nicole Payone pitched, you know, at the beginning of the season, they all come in and say, I think I could do this character or that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take notes. And yeah. I still have my notebook, and it's like Kate McKinnon coming in and saying Penelope Cruz or all, and Coulter yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. And um, and Kate and, and Nicole wanted to she thought she could do Glenn Close. She wants to do something with Glenn Close. Because she always thinks that everything Glenn does is 37% too dramatic. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what could Glenn Close do? And so I wrote a sketch where Glenn Close is coming in to do a voiceover for Damages. And all she has to say is, Damages is brought to you by Cadillac. <laughs> Cadillac, it's how you roll. Right? That's yeah. all she has to yeah, say. Yeah. Stephen Guarino is the... the the director. Tech, yeah, the, the tech, tech guy. guy. And the Cadillac guy, Paulo and Dino, is like the agency, the the Cadillac rep, who has to mm-hmm. approve it. It's the three of them. So she comes in, and she... And, and I wrote it, and you know how they had... They would have, like, three different table reads during the season. Yeah. And I wrote it early on, and it, it didn't make the first table read, it didn't make the second table read, and finally in the third table read, we had a shot. And the second Nicole said her first line at that table read, and she did that Glenn Close thing, and I wish I could imitate it. It's like, calm down, or whatever. You know, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. that thing. Everyone laughed, and I was like, we're in. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Those cable read moments where it works. It's a great feeling. Because like, there's I'm a lot okay. where you're like, mm, you know. I'm going to make it. I'm yeah. Gonna, I don't have to kill myself. And this one was something that was like, we believed in, but it was hard to get, you know, it didn't have a lot of momentum. And then, you know, so every time she does the line, she's too dramatic. And he's like, you know, bring it down a little yeah, bit. She bring it. I want to kick off my shoes and connect to the earth. So she turns into a huge... <laughs> drama person and uh, then she cut to three hours later and she's got her, she's in her bra and panties <laughs> you know and it's so good and, yeah and then uh, what I was really proud of is that it had a beginning a middle and end I think where yeah. where the, finally the um, the Cadillac guy goes over one more Miss Close for me and he's like you're a zombie on a planet you have no <laughs> motions or mo-. he gives her the whole right. subtext 
Now go. And she goes, Damages is brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, it's how you roll. And he nails it! He nails it. But, but he had to be via the zombie apocalypse. That's so <laughs> to good. get it. And, so um, good. and then, of course, Stephen Guarino is gushing, oh, Miss Close, I've loved you since. And she's like, easy queen. It's just ah! a commercial. <laughs> anyway, so That's I was awesome. really proud of that. And I loved working with all three of them. And that was my, that was my moment. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. I'm glad you got to tell me. I know, I'm glad. you got nothing to back that up, so it's just going to hang there like, you know? You can get it in there. All right. You know what? Elaine Strick's Walmart Reader, Pretty people wonderful. remember that. That's a memorable one, yeah. It was such a stroke of Stephanie's great mind to kind of conceive of that. And then I actually got to meet Elaine. It was very, very cool. What was she like? What do you remember just about sort her? Of a, you know, wearing a white shirt and, and panty and black, you know, hose. That's yeah. her outfit. <laughs> and like she was going to do a number at any yeah. second, and eating little pieces of cheese from, okay. a, from a Ziploc bag, and and really nice, really really nice. But a diva, I mean, definitely yeah. a star. It was at the Carlisle, I think. You know, we were in a room with a piano, and her 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 pianist guy was there. It was pretty pretty glam. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So after after that show ends, and then you do the second season, you come back. Are you like what now? Kind of. I mean, that was really the period. When I became a writer, not to sound too melodramatic, but in the, those early days, I was like, yeah, but I really want to be a performer. That really just went away. Yeah. And, you know, I had this nice job and was just When did you get the job? After? No, I had that job in New York. Before you I was got like, the... got that job when I was like 23. Okay. And then I did it when I moved out here. Luckily, was able to make that happen. Right. Did you keep it going during Big Gay? Um, they were, they let me go for a couple months. Begay was in a very long yes, commitment, three, yeah. a couple months, so yeah. they were able to, to let me go and come That's back. That's cool. And so yeah, I just came back to LA and wrote a ton. That's so wrote cool. And wrote and wrote. What were you writing? Comedies? Movies? Comedies? Sitcoms? I, television? Uh, yeah. A little bit of everything. I co-wrote a few things with, with some friends. Um, couple scripts actually that way. Um, but mostly just trying to figure out what I wanted to do and, uh, what, what that usually is, is sort of strange and darkly comedic. Yeah. Yeah. What have people reached out to you after welcome to me and said, I like your voice, come and have a meeting or, you know, most the script, when I, when I signed with my agent, the script went out to a, a ton of people. So right. it was really before the move, the movie that right. people were like, your voice is so interesting. Hi, you're weird. I like you. Um, were your meetings mostly good, or were there ever those weird ones? They have really been mostly good. Like That's I'm great. trying to think of a truly bad one, and I can't think of one. Although maybe I just didn't realize that it was really bad. Maybe right, I thought it was good, but um, no, they've been really nice. But um, in terms of like after the movie, I think I'm just trying to figure out what to do next and what what. I mean, development is a strange world, you know. It's just yeah. it's a lot of dreaming and hoping and waiting. And, and sometimes getting paid, though, right? Getting paid, for sure, absolutely. Good. And that's always a thrill. And yeah. No, I hope that it. never gets old for me to no. get a check. What? Yes. Yeah, I know. So good. I know. It's so awesome. All right. Now, I, before the show, I call it a show, um, <laughs> I offered you to uh, look at the observation deck. And you're like, you know what? I have answers for all of these. Let's just oh, go random. here I go. So just pick random. And you here can I say know. pass. Right. Okay, what's the question? What rookie mistakes did you make on your first jobs? You can say um, pass. I think I was pretty perfect. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. What's the funniest way you've ever blown a take? Well, that's more of an actor yeah, question. That's, All right. that's uh, this way we do it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think, let's see. This you might uh, have something. Now Venice this. is going to pick one. You might have something for this. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Because she used to perform a lot. Yeah, I think I was faking vomiting once <laughs> with a stick song playing in the background. That might be the title of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, good, good. I love your titles. Um, and um, I had concocted a brew of. Like steel-cut oatmeal and a, like, mango smoothie. And um, the, the what I had to do was take a swig of it surreptitiously and then puke Sneak. it out, and it actually made me throw up a little bit. So that was uh, maybe the worst thing. That's method, man. That's method, yeah. That is Absolutely. so method. Absolutely. Um, okay. Pull, pull another right, one. All right, random. Wow, places. what did you tell anyone? Did anyone know? Oh, they just thought, wow, you did that really, really well. <laughs> what song? Did like, you tell anyone in your like the scene partners? Or oh, anybody? Stephanie. It was yeah. with Stephanie. And, and she, did you tell her? Yeah, she, I really. She, she was aware. She's like, oh, shit, he's actually puking. <laughs> what song makes me cry? I'm going to say something by Dolly Parton. Maybe the coat of many colors. Oh my god, that's amazing. Because she didn't have no money, and then her mom made her a coat. She's doing, like, a TV movie based on that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of vomiting on stage. Okay. I always thought it would be the height of genius if during some... The right improv or the right sketch show, the right character peed their pants on stage. Oh, I would pay for that. Wouldn't it? Um, It would be kind of, like, amazing, right? It would be so real. So real, which is what we want. I think that needs to happen. I think so too. Maybe I'm you. St- I not in on a, not in a movie. Okay. I think it needs to be right in front of your face. So you might be able to smell a little piece of mouth. <laughs> For sure. Right. It needs to really happen. Yeah. All right. Let's take a couple more okay. of these. Okay. There we go. What's the worst job you've ever... Oh, this is easy. Um, I had a job once working in a jewelry store called Nature's Jewelry. Okay. And it was pieces of parsley covered in gold. That, that you that were like earrings or pendants and I don't think there were other vegetables and and you know herbs too. The, Probably not broccoli because what would happen to the broccoli pieces? earrings would be amazing. That'd be amazing. But what would wouldn't the the the, the vegetable or whatever rot rot and then yeah, you have somehow to get it out? Yeah, so just the gold is left. That was wow. pretty bad. Nature, nature's Where was it? In Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. I was an art student, and that was my job. Yeah. It was super weird. I think they had gold chains by the foot, too. It was like, yeah. that was, yeah. That's, that's that was crazy. Rough. All right. What's your favorite perk of your job? I guess staying home in the jams. Yeah, jam you like jams. that. I like that. Yeah, you like to write out and about. I do, I think. Jackie told Sometimes. me that. Sometimes, yeah, we yeah. do our homework days. I like those, I like those, those stay-at-home quiet writing days. And I like, like, watching a movie, but it's research. You yeah. Know, that's a good feeling. Um, yeah, I guess I just like the, the life of the writer. Yeah. What is your thing? Because this is mine. Like, I'll do a draft or whatever, and then I like to print it out, and I like a hard copy with a pen. Yeah. That's my journalism thing, and I like that. I've gotten back into that for a while. I I got really mad at printers a couple years ago. They're the worst. The fucking ink I'm costs. not speaking to mine. It's the worst. Um, the ink costs more than gold does. I, I have this script now that I'm working out about a writer, and I was thinking of having the first scene him stealing toner. <laughs> That's so good. Right? Because it is worth more than gold. And you have to... It's your... You have to. You have to apply your... I was going to be a writer, but the, 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 the no toner. <laughs> the 
guys know. Um, but, but what I did is I tore my printer apart with my bare hands. I was so mad. I was just probably having a bad day. And it was a scanner, too, so I, like, took the lid off yeah. and like, tore it apart. So I didn't have a scanner or a printer for a long time, and I would email myself a PDF and look at it on my iPad. Right. And then have an audio uh, thing running that would only pick up when I spoke. Yeah. And so I okay, would just change do page four to three. Yeah, yeah. Which actually is kind of that's fun. That's kind of a good... I use an audio thing like that a lot. It works. That's an interesting thing. Now I'm back to your way, which is that hard copy with a pen. That's I awesome. like it. I like it. To. Makes Got me happy. To. And I, I do this thing sometimes when I have a line or a segment and I write CBB next to it. What's could, that mean? Could be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's that. it's not bad, but it could be. better. It could be better. Go think of that. I'm noting this now. <laughs> this could be better. Another question. Okay. What's your idea of the perfect day? The perfect day, Elliot. Oh boy, we're getting into this now. Um, I would like to get some physical exercise, see a movie, get a bunch of writing done, come home to a clean house. Take a bath with Wes Mentley. Wow. Yeah. You're Team Wes all the way. Oh, Wes. You know what? He's been through shit. And he knows stuff. He knows stuff. And he's also so nice. What's the most fun you had making the movie outside of the movie? Did anyone go to... Parties were great. Yeah. Yeah. Parties. Um, Were there game nights? Were there... um, Mm, Not so so much. much, Because it's so... It's kind of grueling, you know. Yeah. These are long days, so we would all just be like, I'm going home. But we had some really good parties. I think we had, like, two rap parties. We had, like, a midway rap party. Right. And then a rap party. It was pretty great. That's so Kristen cool. Kristen can party. She's real good at that. That's good. I like it. Um, what's your favorite waste of time? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Probably online stuff. Huffington Post. Yeah. Reading articles about like cats and stuff that got burned and yeah. recipes, that kind of thing. Do you cook? Are you? In I like to. I used to cook a lot more, but I kind of got yeah. out of it. But I'm gonna try to get back into it. It's a good thing. Good. I don't cook much, but um, I have been reading everything I can about the Mad Men finale because <gasps> I, I, are you a fan? I am. I'm not caught up though. Oh shoot! Then we can't really discuss. But you know, I'm I'm weird in the sense that knowing what happens doesn't really ruin it for me. Okay. It's all about how they did it, so you can tell. Well, I, all I'm going to say is this, and I might I do a little tag at the end of each episode, so I might discuss things there. But I found it um, in the in the moment you're like, oh, oh, that, but it stayed with me. It stayed with me in a very pleasant way. So it, it's the finale. Yes, the half life of the finale is you know uh-huh. like a drug. Yeah, like it stayed with me in a really pleasant oh. way that made me feel. That it was in in keeping with the spirit of the series. That That's it was nice, you know, and was, rare. I think nowadays when you see something that you think about like the next minute, it's yeah. kind of rare, isn't it? Yes, I thought I, I I'm thumbs up on the finale. Are you a Dancing with the Stars person? No, I just want to say I'm Team Rumor. I'm very happy with the way that went. <laughs> Um, what I also noticed recently was like, I, I was at a friend's house the other night, and the Bachelorette was on. Mm-hmm. All of these reality shows have been on like twenty years. Yeah. They're kind of like watching Ed Sullivan or Gunsmoke. Yeah. You know? They're background. They're, they're, no. But they're never going to go away. No. And, and that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this, they're, it's nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They have been going for so long. Anyway, what are your jams on TV? Do you like to watch television? I do. I really like 
Hannibal. Yes. I really Created by Brian like, Fuller, who I know. Genius. You know him? I do. I'm a bit obsessed with that man. Maybe we yeah. can have coffee sometime. Yes. Maybe he's I could. He's so talented. And I love his story, You, as you, you know him. Yeah, he's very nice. He, he's gracious and kind. Didn't he get into writing Star Trek when yes. they had an open script policy? And they, I did an interview with him for The Advocate, and that's my memory, is that he kind of so did a, had a Star Trek breakthrough moment through his own sort of uh, gumption. Yeah, well uh, put. That's my takeaway from well it. Put. Yeah, do you like Star Trek and stuff? I do. I really love sci-fi. In fact, my God damn it, my favorite things <laughs> to watch are are genre, but that are very smart and fresh. Like I don't love genre, and I think it's really? a big problem. You like comedies only. I like comedies and I dramas, dramas? people in the world. Oh, okay. No magic and, and spaceships, computers. Or... What is Game of Thrones? I don't watch it. Maybe okay. I'd like it if I got into it, but I don't... Game of Thrones is it's so smart. It's so well-constructed. Yeah. It's, it's I would probably like, like it if I watched it. You probably wouldn't. But it, a lot it of doesn't, guys. Yeah, there you go. Who's your big TV movie crush right now? Probably Michael Fassbender forever. I was going to say Michael Fassbender forever. for me. I mean, forever. I don't think that's ever going to change. He's too much. He's everything. I have lockers in my bedroom, like literally <laughs> lockers that I got at use place, and there's pictures of him in it. Oh my god! There's pictures of a lot of boys in it. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, it's like your locker. I know. I'm going back in time. Definitely Fastbender, and I felt this way before Shame. Before yeah. I saw his dick. Yeah. I didn't need to see. He could have a little dick, and I'd still love him. Yeah. He's great. I just saw the trailer for Jobs, the Steve Jobs movie. That <gasps> I haven't seen that yet. Steve it's Jobs. Good. Yeah. Well, it's it's um. Yes, it's just one shot of him and kind of stylized with narration, but it's kind of, you know, Sorkin, so it's mm-hmm. going to be Sorkin-y, which yeah, I'm yeah. all on board with. Oh, I like that pitter-patter of language. I love it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, what do you like to do with the movies? When Do you, do you go a lot? Or are you... Um, I don't go as much as I probably should. I feel bad about saying that, but um, yeah. I, I do love a movie, but again, it's usually going to be like a really cool genre thing. Like, for yeah. example, my favorite movie last year was Under the Skin. Oh, so cool. Did you see it? I did. I went to a... My friend Glenn was obsessed with it. And there was a screening of it downtown at this funky little theater I didn't even know existed. I love it. And the composer played the score with a live orchestra. You saw it with the live... Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with Mika Levi. Yeah. It was all there. It was a really cool night. Yeah, Yeah, that movie knocked me... Uh, I mean, it just, I had to see it again, and I loved it even more. It's just, stuff like that really makes me crazy. My favorite movie was Nightcrawler. You know, I've heard, Have you I didn't seen realize it? that that was a brilliant satire. Yeah. And Have you seen it? No. It's great. Everybody's like, you it have to see to this me. movie. So I saw People have even kind of connected it a tiny bit to Welcome to Me, and, and I know you don't think of Welcome to Me as a satire particularly, but something analogous, I don't know if you agree. Yes, because it's about desperate people. Okay. And it's about the world that we live in has made people more desperate than they used to be. Oh, I love Capitalism. That. Uh, th- th- I went to like two or three Q&As with the, the screenwriter because mm-hmm. I was just like, can I hold your water, Mr. Gilroy? I was like, it was, I, I, I was so into it. But he talked to, that it, the theme was capitalism run amok, you know? Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I've got to see that. Yeah. Everybody's It's worth the look-see. Yeah, it's yeah. worth the look-see. You want to take a couple more of these questions? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. This is fun. I know. You have good stories. Whose job offers would you like to receive? You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna stick to mine. Wow, that's awesome. Is that good? Yeah, yeah that's I'm really good. Say, I, Can I, you talk about any of the stuff you're working on now? Yeah, or is it, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's stuff that... 
that hasn't been announced, but I can tell you a little bit about. Like, I'm, I'm writing another one for Kristen. Oh, that's fantastic. And this one is about the sexual awakening of a Chris, devoutly Christian aerobics teacher in 80s Marina Del Rey. Would you go see that movie? Yeah. You had me at aerobics. <laughs> you had Christian me at... aerobics. Oh, it's such Christian a fascinating aerobics. world. That well, was a thing. You know, it reminds me, there's a girl on Dancing with the Stars who is, I've been following her since So You Think You Can Dance. She's one of the regulars, Whitney, and I think she was raised Mormon. Mm-hmm. But she's virtually naked on television every week and so sexy in her movements and yet has this religious... I think she's Mormon. I, I, I'm not sure for sure. But when you look at her, you think fucking. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of fucking and I'm, str- and I'm gay. You're gay. You know what I mean? So yeah. the idea she's something getting, she's breaking through a lot. Something to get to you. She's breaking through a lot to get to. You. So somebody who's religious, who is in a in a body conscious yeah. unitards and and movement. The and movement. Marina Del Rey being sort of sexy and swingery. Come on, dolphin shorts. Faith in the body and that tension between those two things. I really I love it. Did a you lot. just think of it? Yeah, you know, she and I were texting one day, and I sent her a video that I had found on this brilliant Tumblr called. Uh, Christian Nightmares, which is just terrible stuff about Christians. Right. And uh, it was a video of a Christian aerobics class, and I was immediately just, like, completely tran- like transfixed with this thing. I sent it to her, and she was laughing, and she's like, maybe that's your next movie! I think she was kidding. But then I figured out a movie. And then you figured it out? Yeah. You don't have to ask, ask, answer this if you don't want to, but when you have that, and you have her sort of interested, who writes the check? Um, is there a, a, studio? Del- a, a yeah. studio? A studio. So I went, so I went in with pitch her. It. Yeah, went in with her and pitched it, and they Ugh. said yes. And I think it was mostly about her. Yeah. But they didn't hate the idea. Right. So Elliot, they that's said, amazing. Yeah, it's really, I feel so blessed. It's ridiculous. I really do. And I also have something at HBO, which they bought um, last year, I believe. And uh, They take a while. They take a while, and... But here's the thing about HBO. They'll say no if they want to say no. So I feel like it's still sort of alive, possibly. Is it a comedy? It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy about a nail salon in Florida. It's a front for a Dixie Mafia pill mill operation. So it's... What uh, the fuck is that? Well, well, the Dixie Mafia are like redneck mobsters. Okay. And the pill mill thing was a big deal in Florida. There were these places in strip malls where you would just walk in and say, like, my toe hurts. And they'd be like, here's six months' worth of Vicodin, but you have to pay cash. And so very corrupt, and these places would make, like, $75,000 a day in cash. So you would need, they needed businesses to sort of flush the money and rush right. the money. And in, in, in the case of this show, which is called Claws, um, it's uh, run by these. It's, it's a nail salon run by these very rough women, and it's sort of nine. It's sort of nine to fivey in a way because <gasps> they make a bid for power and get it, but they're very rough and it's very violent. And you like fringy, troubled women, weird. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Do you have stars in mind, or is it to be D- TBD? TBD. TBD. As opposed to CBB. Yeah, CBB. Um, but yeah, I love that one, too. I mean, I guess I really love everything I write. I have a deep sort of parental love for this stuff, so hopefully something happens. Do you ever have moments when you're like, oh, fuck, this is a piece of shit. I thought it was, you know... Oh, I, yeah, and especially in those days when you're when you're figuring it out. Yeah. Are you an outliner, or do you go... I, I started outlining more. Uh-huh. Um... But sometimes, sometimes I feel like write the part you know, because mm-hmm. you, you don't know it all. And you can sit there going, I don't know it all, and not write anything. 
So sometimes yeah. I write the part that I know. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on a feature now, and I, I um, I'm collaborating. Um, I'm writing the screenplay, but um, uh, the director David Morton that I worked with in the past, mm-hmm. um, we outlined it together, and I'm writing the screenplay. So oh, I have a, I have a a big outline and 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 all of that stuff. So. Yeah, I tend to have those moments of, of angst when I'm figuring stuff out and, and, and just thinking everything is stupid. But Was there ever any great advice you got about writing? Or an epiphany? or I don't know about advice, but my sort of guiding mantra epiphany thing is really to write for yourself, right? Write something that you would see the first showing of the first day. That's great advice. Or, you know, if it's a TV thing that you would buy, like, a different DVD player to watch. Like, you know, if it's from a different... Like, if it's, like, a European show, like, you would get a special... Like, something you would just be that into something the that, Something that speaks to you, so... You would have to see and consume right away. Like, like an heard idiot, about it. Like, like I heard... Christian a, aerobics. I heard... Yeah, I recently heard somebody talking about a Christian aerobics show with Christian <laughs> Wiggs set in Marina Del Rey or a movie, and I was like... I'm there on first day. So, yeah, I really believe in that. I think, you know, chasing the market is probably not a great idea. And I think people... I think when people read scripts, they can tell the joy. That's interesting. They can feel the joy. And so if you're really writing to make yourself happy, I think people... I think it kind of jumps off the page a little bit. It's the audacity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, precisely. Yeah. That's my thing. I had an epiphany when I was in in the 90s. When Queerest Folk, the British version, premiered, some friend got a copy early and there was a viewing party. And it blew my mind. Um, you know, the way they were behaving and yeah. the sex. Just and all that of, there was a show like that. Just that there was a show like that. And it was really... And at that time, I had just... My novel had come out and I was trying to find my way. And I think especially if you're a gay writer, you thought, oh, I have to have a gimmick. I have to channel all my feelings into a teenage wizard. <laughs> or you have to right. Trojan horse it. Sublimate it. You have to do some trick. Yeah. And I watched that and I'm like, oh, we can just tell the truth. And yeah. it was a big epiphany to me. Not that it's always easy to do that no. or it still takes craft, but that freedom of like, oh. You have to... Just tell the truth. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that too. Yeah, and I since got to meet Russell Davies, and he's been a friend and a mentor to me. And it's oh he's my the God. amazing. He is amazing. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, and he's so nice and generous, and he writes emails with lots of exclamation points. Oh, that makes me feel good because I it do that does. too. I always feel like I'm going to get like hate crimes because I do that. So no, much. it's it's just it's joy okay. and effusive. And does he is he doing the the new show on Logo? That's like a, cucumber. I haven't seen that. I hear I've, I don't have Logo, but I've seen um. A, he he sent a, the first episode, and I was able to see that, and I've kind of caught. Is it bits. amazing? It's amazing. It's 40, 40 gays in their forties, and he. Um, I'll tell you my Russell Davies story about my writing. He moved out here for a while, um, and we reconnected. I met him at a film festival in Florida when I had a short film there, and he was doing Bob and Rose, and um, he came to see the mismatch game show that I do at mm-hmm. the center. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards, we I was surprised to see him. He came by himself, took a car, because I don't think he was driving, um, pre-Uber, I think. <laughs> and afterwards, we went to dinner, and he's like, what are you working on? What are you writing? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to get this Modern Family spec written, because I think I need something like that. And he goes, what's the story? Tell me. And I'm like, well, this is what happens to Gloria and, um, you know, Ed O'Neill. And he's like, I like that. And uh, this is what happens to um, Claire and Phil. And he's like, I like that. That's good. This is what happens to Mitchell and Cameron. He's like, mm, I don't like that. 
something mm. it's something else that's not it's not whatever and I was like I was like okay I have this other idea and he's like that's better and he goes okay you write it by May 1st and I will be your date for Outfest opening night <gasps> he oh, fucking threw it down that is a throwdown. and what I did it oh my god and he gave me fan. he gave me notes on it and I remember being there's a Starbucks on Wilshire Boulevard oh. that I drive by and I remember taking his call and getting his notes there and they were so good and I'm and <laughs> I'm embarrassed now that I'm like, oh my god, these are great notes. And he's like, well, I'm very good at my job. <laughs> he's like the king of British television. Oh, that dude. Do you know? Yeah, he's so great. And I do remember one thing that he said, and you might, this might resonate for you. Um, and he said that somebody, had, it's something that he had learned before, and I was, there was a scene, there, there was a story that had to do with golf. Mm-hmm. With Gloria and Manny and, and, mm-hmm. and Jay. And I was trying to come up with a reason. I needed to justify why Gloria and Manny would go there and decide to do this, whatever. And he's like, you don't need that story. Just have them show up. Just have them walk in and turn up. Yeah. They just show up. Oh, like, that's so great. You know that thing where like you're always... Writing into it. Trying to figure out how to get them Is there. logical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To... No, just have them show up. Because that's what people do in life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. They show up to places. Anyway, that was really interesting. Oh, really I love cool. that. I love that. Um, I want to get back to something, because, you know, you talked about your partner, Stephanie, and all of that. What do you think she would think of what's happening with you now? Do you think think about that? she would be so happy, and I, being woo-woo and witchy, I definitely sort of talk to her a lot. I think she, and I I know she, and she's very happy for me, and I think... Because it's a different path, kind of, but not really. I mean, it's more, it's it's still writing, it's still creating. I'm living the life that I think she really wanted to live, which was being a working writer, she she had been an actor for a long time and was just kind of like that life like, and yeah. really wanted to just write and create and I'm doing that now and I think that's what she really wanted to do so I'm aware of that and um, I think she would really love Welcome to Me she's all over the movie in what yeah. ways? Well, our, our weird show that we did, Stephanie yeah. and I, it was called Guile. Um, we would G-U-I-L-E. G-U-I-L-E. And we would stand on stage with note, note cards, much like these questions are written on. Yes. And we would make these outrageous claims about our lives, like Stephanie said, that she was in the movie Jaws, and that she played the captain who made the, that speech about the black eyes of the shark. Outrageous claims we would... That were clearly could not could not be, be true. true. We would act out rap songs, we would do dance numbers to explain the internet. But there was something about our, our show that was very presentational and strange, and there's something very analogous with Kristen's show in the movie. Yeah. You know, and how sort of personal it is and confessional. That feels feels very Steph. I think she would really like the movie. That's awesome. Yeah. And you think about her a lot. Yeah, I really do. That's cool. Because you guys were partners for quite a while. We were friends and partners and on the phone every minute and and as her husband, her late her husband who uh, survived her says, we were, you know, she was my professional wife. Wow. Yeah. Was there a point where you could have just given up? Or were you always sort of hanging in it? Was, there, was, a, always, was I, there a point where you look back, at, you look at your life now and, and things are going well, and you think, God, I'm so glad I got through that thing so that I could have this thing. I don't think I had a real dark night of the soul, but I've been trying to be some kind of artist, really, since I was a teen. Right. Like, you know, I went to I went to an art school, and then I wanted to do fashion for a while, and I sort of learned how to make clothing, and then I wanted to be an actor. So, I don't know if I was ever about to give up, but I tried so many things. I guess I'm just glad that something's kind of working. Something stuck. Yeah. Is there a lesson to what it was about you that turned it around, or was it just persistence? 
Because there was clearly some serendipity involved in how a it lot. came together. A lot of serendipity. But was there a something in you that sort of brought you to that place? Just that the you persistence were... and then maybe the, the early thrill of seeing some of my stuff produced on Big Gate Sketch Show. That is a, is a great thrill. Yeah. And so just wanting to experience that more and more. And persistence. You've got to be so persistent. It's just, you know, the deal. Well, it's like when you're, is it Shiva? Shira. Shira. When she said, write this as a feature mm-hmm. and we'll make it happen, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like people, sometimes people that are a little more connected than you do throw down the gauntlet like that mm-hmm. and, you know, you've got to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Cause, and it might not go anywhere. Might not go anywhere. I had to but figure out. But you've got to go. I did that recently with um, uh, post-Fashion Police writer Strike. I met a woman through the strike who was a, a more connected um and more established mm-hmm. than I was. And she, I gave her my novel, Misadventures, as a thank you gift or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of like whatever. I didn't... And she read it right away. We had lunch. That's so nice. Yes. And she was like, this is a TV show. And I sort of said, well, I've, we had a couple of deals. I'm a little stymied by how to approach it now. And I told her the history of it. She goes, well, start from the beginning and just write it. And I'm like, oh, I can do that? She's like, yeah, and I'll help you. So I did... But she gave me that thing like That's like amazing. Shira did. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, though, when it was done, she was kind of like um, not really there. Like, uh-huh. you know, I, I sent it to her and she's like, I'm sure it's great. You're in good hands. I'm like, there's no hands. <laughs> I've told this story probably seven times on this podcast. But it was, but that, that not, once I had it finished, I was able to do other things with it. And it has been a good thing. Yeah. But it was that little, that little thing. And writing begets writing. Writing begins writing. So the more you do, the more you do. All right. Well, I'm inspired by you. I'm really happy that you're having this success and this moment and that you're enjoying it. That's so nice. And um, I don't know. Last question. Why do you write? I want to be heard and seen and witnessed and experienced. Which is very much like Kristen's character in the movie. Oh, yeah. This is autobiographical, guys. Wow. <laughs> the way you said that it was so chilling, I'm just going to wrap it up. Thank you, Elliot Lawrence. Thank you, Dennis. Congrats on everything. Thank and, you, thank um, you, thank you. Thank you for being here in the booth of truth. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. All right, this is a little postscript with Elliot. As he was leaving, we were trying to do the selfie in front of my on-demand video screen with his movie in front, but it doesn't look good, so we reshot. But we got to talking about the movie, and I asked you about what it was like to shoot the nude scene in the casino, and you told me that they didn't close the place down. It was open. There were flats. There was a lot of security. We were very concerned that somebody was going to take a a shot with their smartphone and instantly put it online, but it didn't happen, thank God. Yeah. And Merkin? There was a Merkin involved. I guess you have to have a Merkin. I don't think you can, you can show real pubic hair. In a really? Movie, which is the weirdest thing in the world. You have to show fake pubic hair and then it's okay. But it looked real. I yeah. Mean, it didn't look like... It's a pubic like... wig, baby. It looks wow. real. It looks but, real. But Kristen Wiig went for it. She went for it. She's fearless. And one thing I wanted to say, too, that I don't think I got to earlier is that it's really amazing how generous she Kristen is and Shira the director too it seems like whenever they talk about the movie they talk about the script first and how it was all there and 
I don't know. It's just very gratifying. Because that doesn't always happen. It really doesn't. Writers can be very invisible in the process, yeah. but I feel like the opposite has happened. So again, I'm spoiled for life. Thanks. Good for you. You deserve it. Thank you. And Welcome to Me is currently showing in some cinemas around the country, still in LA, yeah, still at in the LA, Sundance New York, Cinemas. And I think 87 screens total. That's I know nice. It's on iTunes. I think we've gone in and out of the top 10, but it's doing well. That's and, good. And it's yeah. also on demand. Yeah. It's on so demand. you can learn more about it at welcometome.com. Do you follow the box office? Like, what are the numbers? I do. I do, I do, and since it's such a particular kind of movie, I'm like, is that good? Oh, yeah, it is. Do people say please? Yeah, people seem, the, the uh, alchemy who is distributing the movie seems really, really happy. Right. So it'll, do, that's great. Yeah, great to hear. It's really nice. Everyone loves it. Okay. Yay. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Dennis. Bye. Thanks again to Elliot Lawrence. I love his story. I love talking to him. It makes me inspired. I love it. All right. Check out Welcome to Me. It's really worth saying. It's a... Fun, thorny, complicated, dark, hilarious movie. All right. So this happened. I talked a little earlier about the Mad Men finale, and I just want to process a few feelings. If you haven't seen it before, just stop the podcast now. Um, If you're not interested, I, like I said earlier, I found that the afterglow of the finale really satisfying. It really made me smile. And, um, of course, Don is meditating in Big Sur, and the next thing we see is the famous Coca-Cola ad, I'd like to buy the world a Coke, which I think I have on 45. Um, And it implies that Don came up with that ad uh, while he was there at Escalon or whatever, and went back and, and went back to advertising and made it happen. But what's interesting about the coverage since then is that some people find that sort of cynical, like, okay, so all the self-helpy stuff, the the hug with the guy in the self-help group wasn't real. He's He was just looking for the next story. But I think you can have it both ways. I think he can have a catharsis. He can grow emotionally or spiritually or in terms of who he is or how he sees the world and still go back and do the job that he was born to do. I don't think it's an either or. I don't. I don't think it's either or. I think, I think you can have it both ways, or I'm choosing to. And I like that the show let me have it both ways. So that's all I wanted to say. I'm really going to miss that show. It's like that really good novel that you don't want to end, so you just read a few pages at a time, and now it's over. But I'm 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 basking in the afterglow. So that's all. Thank you, Mad Men, uh, for all the the. Greatness. All right. And the suits. I do buy the Banana Republic Badman suits, so they will live on in my closet a little bit, or the little polos, whatevs. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, like us on Facebook, give us good reviews, and tell your friends, and we'll see you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!